So we're not doing a connect right now, and the reason why is because in a few moments we're actually going to be doing something totally different, okay? It's going to take me, I don't know, 15 minutes, okay? So with that in mind, shoot, help me write a note, would you? I cannot get this thing. Okay. Uh, all right. I can't tell if I'm on. I can't tell anything. Okay. Yeah, staple gun would work perfectly. I'd love a staple gun. Uh, all right. So, so here's where we are. We're in the sermon. And what, it, what I s explained last week was is that we were actually doing something. We were putting a pause button on Empowered for a couple of weeks because there was something that the Lord brought to me that was super important. Okay? And we're starting recording now. Thanks, guys. But here's what I want you to, uh, I want you to see is, is last week what we did was forgiveness. And the reason why we talked about forgiveness will be more clear in just one minute here. But let me just quickly catch this up. If you did not hear the sermon, can I highly recommend that you go back and hear it? Because forgiveness is that thing in people's lives that blocks them from moving forward more than any other single variable that there is. That's by research and experience and everything else. All of us know someone who, because of unforgiveness, has been imprisoned in the past in a way that is wrecking their future, right? All of us know that. So this forgiveness thing is really important, but let me say, the forgiveness sermon actually arose out of what we're doing today. And in particular, what we're doing today has to do with marriage, although you're going to see very quickly here, it's about much more than marriage. It's about relationships in general. And I'm not just doing that in order to try and include the singles in it. You'll see what I'm going to say about this in a second. But I want us to understand something is that I'm, I'm, what happened to me was this time of year, as I've said before, it's always that marriages hit a rough patch. Okay, I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying it that it always has to happen, but this time of year is when we'll have the most marriage issues, and the reason is really simple in my mind. Just about 30, 45 days ago, it was light at 11 o'clock, and sunny, and beautiful, and you were outside, and you were having a lot of fun, and now it is dark at 5 o'clock, okay? As of this week, it was dark at 5 o'clock. Okay? And you're not outside having fun and doing all that kind of stuff. You're inside and you're reacting and you're, everybody gets just a little sad. You know, SAD, the seasonal affective disorder that happens. And other things happen and people just end up at this time of a year not in good places with one another. That just happens. Okay? And it, like I say it doesn't always have to happen or anything, but it just does. And so in the past, we've always had a marriage seminar about right now. And this year, we started doing these marriage desserts. We had the first one last night, and it was phenomenal. It was great, okay? And it was a very good beginning on a long-term thing that we're doing in order to help people over the long haul. But I want, to, I want you to see what happened, which was I, was I was praying, and the Lord started bringing to my mind a bunch of marriages that were in serious trouble. And the first thought that I had was, was that this time of year, but the first thought that I had was is, What's happening to some degree is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. What's happening to some degree is that, remember at the beginning of the year I said that we've ratcheted down in terms of God's covering so that the consequences of our actions are more fully being played out than they were before? In other words, I'm acting the exact same way I've always acted in my marriage. But for some reason, it isn't working like it used to work. For some reason, it's not okay like it used to be not good, and I know I need to change it, but it was still okay. See what I'm saying? 
And all of a sudden, there's like, it's not okay. And it's not just the time of year. I really do believe that you've got situations where things have been tough for long periods of time, decades or more. And suddenly, they're in a new level of crisis. And I'm looking at that, and I was, I was, it was, it was, God was prompting me to the degree that I took it to our staff meeting. And I said, I think there's something going on, and I don't know what to do about it. So we actually took a lengthy period of time and prayed about what to do. And what I'm doing right now is what God told us to do out of that prayer time. That sermon last week about forgiveness, there's, a, there's an issue for marriages, right? Right? The need to learn how to forgive. And then we went into the dessert on Friday night. And now we're dealing with this on Sunday morning. And next week, we'll be doing the men's 33, which is this section is on marriage. So I want you to see that the Lord just put it together to where there's this whole range of things that we were offering and that we were doing that if you availed yourself of them, they could make a real difference, right? So now, what I told you was, is I said, we are talking about marriage, but I want you to understand how I think about marriage and I think how God thinks about marriage because it's actually quite a bit different than I think we do. We think of marriage as a thing, don't we? It's, it's just, you know, marriage is, is, is its own thing. And in a sense it is. But I want you to understand that actually what marriage is is just another kind of relationship. Watch what I'm saying here. When, when Jesus comes at the end of his ministry and he is telling us why he was doing his ministry, the thing that he was trying to bring, this is it. This is his last prayer. This is him saying, putting an accent and a highlight on, this is what I'm trying to accomplish because he's just about to die and that's it. I have given them the glory that you have given me that they may be one. Now, right there, let's do something. I have given them the glory that they may be one. Here's what's being said. Without that glory, you cannot be one. See that? If you don't have what, what God gives to make you one, you will not, cannot be one, period. Okay? So he's saying, I've given them the glory that you've given me. May they be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, may they be made completely, utterly one. Now watch. So that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. So that the world may know that you've sent me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, because I came and brought something to you, the Holy Spirit and a new creation, because you now have this, people are able to come together and become one in a way that the world can't do. And when the world sees it, they'll know that this is better than the fractionalism, than the division, than the separation that Satan is creating in the world and that we're just good enough at doing all by ourselves, right? And so what's being said is, very clearly is, Jesus is saying, when you are actually one the way only God can make you one, you actually manifest something. You actually become something that when the world looks at it, it longs for because of its own disconnectedness. You see it? That's what he's going after. Now, let me show you something, though. Is there anything about marriage in that? See, we think that marriage is the place where we can really get intimate, and with our friends, we can sort of be haphazard, right? We can be, well, I really like that person, but I don't really like that person. I, you see what I mean? Then we can kind of do this. But is that what he's saying? He isn't, is he? 
He's saying, I want them all to be one, as you and I want. Why? Because it's cool. Because it's great. Because nothing makes you feel like this. This is the greatest thing that there is, period. And anybody who's ever had moments of real intimacy with God and oneness with him and with somebody else knows this is the best that it gets. You cannot get anything better from this world than that oneness when you really enter into it. And so this is what he's going after. And so marriage all of a sudden becomes a subset of relationships, which is to say this. Here's what this church always does. In this room right now, there are marriages that are good. Excellent, you're doing good. You know, you may have had seasons that were tough and so on, but right now you're good. Thank you, God, right? And then the, all the way over here, there are marriages that are really bad and have been bad for a long time. And what I want us to see is what we do at this church is we don't just talk over here. We go to the hardest stuff. Because if we can get the hardest stuff right, we're going to learn something that's going to play out across all of the rest of it. See that? And so I want to share, I want to propose to you that marriage is a subset of all the relationships that you can have. And when you can get marriage right, you start being learning how to get all relationships right. You see what we're doing? So that's why I say this isn't a disconnected conversation at all, and I wouldn't want us to have it that way. I don't want to have this is just about marriage. This is about relationships. But let me show you the subset here where he says the same thing about marriage. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Hear it? Hear the word? One. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And so what's being said is, is again, in this marriage relationship where there is this intimacy, where there is this, all of this stuff, and where frankly it's the hardest too, right? It's easier to be good friends with somebody when you can go home if it gets dicey. It's harder to leave the bedroom and go sleep somewhere else. See it? So what we're doing is we're saying, what do we do about getting this right? And we're focusing on marriage just because, but like I say, I hope when we get to what we're about to do that it goes into the fullness of relationships in general. But the thing that I want us to see is we have done this funky thing, really bad thing in Christianity about marriage. Here's what we've done. We've said, what God cares about is you don't get divorced. So we don't get divorced. But, and by the way, the world, you'll hear people say, marriages in the, and divorces in the church are the same as they are in the world. That's not true. In evangelical marriages, there's actually quite a lot more longevity. It's like three times better. But here's what we've done in the church. We've said, what's important is you don't get divorced. No matter how bad it is, you don't get divorced. Now let me just show you how wrong-headed that is, because I want us to get it, what God's trying to do. I want to get to where God's trying to get us is to oneness. And here's what happens. If, when I see, and there are these marriages that have been around that, you know, for a decade or more, they've been in such crisis, in such difficulty, in such tension, that they've actually adapted to this environment in a way that they've come to what we might call a militarized peace, right? It's not oneness. 
right? It's a little bit like North and South Korea, okay? There's a tremendous amount of mistrust, lack of communication, mistrust between the two of them to the point that what they've done is, is they've, there's not just a border. Like in Canada, you know, you go to the border, it's just a fake line, and there's a guard sitting there, and you just cross over, and there it is. But, you know, between North and South Korea, what there is is there's a couple of miles of minefields that each side has planted so the other side would not dare try and cross it because it'll blow them up. And I want us to think about these marriages when we, we have this incredible ability to adapt to difficult times. And so we do this thing in marriage where we say, it really sucks, but here's the deal. Every time I try and sort of go across that, that minefield, something gets blown up. And that's not cool, so I'm just going to stay over here and be cool with what is here. You see what I'm saying? And so we've reached this, what I call, militarized peace. That's not peace. Okay, that's mad. Mutual assured destruction. Okay? You come over here and try and fix it, your leg's going to get blown off. That's probably not a good analogy for right now. But, but you see what I'm saying? Now, now watch. If what the goal of relationships in general, and marriage in particular, is that we image God, what's the world seeing when he sees Christians that are living in a kind of hell? In the world, they would just get divorced, right? And move on. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why that doesn't work. Here's the reason why God says don't get divorced. Because becoming one is super hard. <laughs> and it's really easy to just cut it off at some point and, and separate. See? He's saying come, becoming one, it's, you know what it takes? Stuff getting chipped off of you. <laughs> that you don't really want chipped off of you. <laughs> It means things happening to you that you don't even really want. God has to facet you down in that brilliant diamond so that it becomes that fit, and nothing about that is, well, there's lots of glorious and fun times, hopefully, but do understand marriage has, in its definition to oneness, difficulty. And if you get divorced, then you don't encounter the difficulty and you don't get through to where God wants you to get to, the glory that he has for you. Do you see it? So this is what God is trying to do. He's not trying to keep you married in hell. You know what that communicates to the world? I would never become a Christian. <laughs> that doesn't bring people to him. That pushes people away from him. Here's what brings people to him. Our marriage really, really, really sucked. And if you don't believe me, let me tell you how bad it sucked. And then let me tell you what God did and how it changed me and what happened and where we are now. And then people who are in difficult places say, you're hope to me. You see it? This is what we're doing. This is what we have to do. Let me, let me just take it one more step and then we're, we're done with this part. Watch this. See, what we, what we do is Men's 33 is this incredibly good men's study that we've been doing for a few years. And right now we're in the marriage section, which I just, I, I wish every man was doing this, bottom line. But, you know, whatever, you got to make your own choices. It's between you and the Lord. But bottom line, okay? Yeah, I wish it wasn't. But what I'm going after is, is I want you to just, I want you to, what God is doing in this men's 33, if you boiled every single thing that we've done the entire time down to one thing, here's what he's saying. Don't be passive. 
Don't get to a place to where you agree to compromise. Don't ever become passive. Don't ever, this is the, this is the thing, this is Winston Churchill, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. Now, that's, a, that's an actual quote for him. It's from a speech that was more to the speech than the way that you hear the story apocryphally and so on. But bottom line is, is that this is what he said. And this comes at a time when? When the English are being bombed so heavily by the Germans that the Germans are thinking that it's going to cause them to capitulate to agree to terms with Germany because they just, it's gonna, they're trying to demoralize them by just bombing their cities and people having to run down every night into shelters, into, this, into the, uh, what's it called? Their subways are called underground. Down into the underground, okay? And, and the point is, is, is that that's where they're spending their nights because all night long the Germans are bombing them and they're hearing these bombs and he's trying to demoralize them so that they will accept compromise. Just to take it one step further, Benjamin Disraeli, anybody know that name? Benjamin Disraeli was a guy who was negotiating prior to war. And he got to thinking that, you know what, we can, we can accept certain compromises and so on. And so he made certain compromises, which ended up being complete disaster. He was being played for a fool the entire time. But the bottom line was, here's what Satan's trying to do with you. Don't, don't press it. Just don't rock the boat. Be okay with this. Accept the compromise. Be okay with this. You know why he's trying to do that? Because as soon as you accept the compromise, you no longer are working, moving towards what God has for you. You're living in a hell. You're living in something that is not just shy of where God has you. You're living in a place that isn't what God has for you. You see it? So what we're going after in this thing is never give in, never give in, never give up. I'm not saying that you have to be every, every time someone comes up, now we're going to sit down and talk for another six hours about this. I'm not saying be stupid. What I am saying is be led by the Holy Spirit and never give up. No matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what it is, there may be some people that'll give up because it's not that bad. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to let it go. But it's creating a division between you, a little gap that Satan can use to work his stuff in. You see it? So are, are we, I think it looks to me like in your eyes that we're getting there, but let me just do it this way. Let me show you the depths to which God goes in order to make us one. Where does, where does God draw the line? Well, it turns out nowhere. He obliterates the line. How far is God willing to go? That far. In fact, the scripture says it this way. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter, the beginner, and then that's it. No, the beginner and the perfecter. See it? Who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, despised the shame, and has sat down now at the right hand of God. Here's what I'm trying to get us to. I want you to sit down at the right hand of God. I, I get something. I, if your marriage has been really in the toilet for a long time, or, or even if it's just in a difficult place, I get that one hour, two day is not gonna make the difference. Do, all right, can we, can we do that? But here's what can make the difference. We can start getting on a different track. 
we can, instead of going the direction we've been going, we can start getting on a different track that is going to bend to a new solution. It's going to bend to a new direction. You see it? That's what we're trying to do today. And the way that we're going to do this is really simple. It's going to be a little weird. Hang in there with me. Trust, pray, okay? But what we're going to do is, is that the women are going to come down front here. And you guys get this room because we didn't want to move you. The men have a really cool donut trail to your room, which goes up the stairs, the door right outside. It is a donut trail. Wait till you see it. It's really clever. But, but the point is, is that we're, we're literally luring you, okay? So, but the men, we want you to, you're going to go upstairs to the room that's right there, 205, okay? And then we're going to crowd into that room, and we're going to let you guys have a nice peaceful room, so we want brownie points for that, just make it clear. Okay. But, but the bottom line is then what we're going to do is, is John and I are going to moderate what we're going to do, and Julie and Lori Batterman. So John Batterman and I, and Lori Batterman and Julie are going to do the one here. But here's what we're going to do at this time, okay? This isn't going to be a time where what you do is say, well, my marriage is really sucky, and so it's my marriage, okay? I, uh, you know, that's fine, but that's just not what we're going to do. What we are going to do is this. If you've been in a tough time in your marriage, and then God got you through it, tell us about that. Here's what we are going to do in this. We're going to use the Okay, Eric explained the Julie rule before, and I'm going to explain it again. The Julie rule is, if you've learned something, this is the Julie Brunk rule. If you've learned something, please don't do this to people. This is what you should do. This is what you need to do, and this will fix everything. Why? Well, because we just don't like fingers being wagged in our face. Okay, when people try and tell us what to do, we think, well, maybe it fits and maybe it doesn't fit. We become critical of what they're saying, partly because we're rebellious in nature and partly because that's not actually how Jesus does it. Where Jesus does it is, here's the testimony. By the, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, we become the overcomers. Here's what I'm asking you. The Julie rule is, don't tell people what to do. Just tell them what God did. What did he do in you? How did he do it? What was it like? What did he do? And then people who are listening can say, does that fit our situation? Does that fit my situation? Is there something I can glean out of this that's going to help get me on a new track? Do you see that? And, and the spirit of what I'm doing here has to do with men and women, but the older women should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. Now, there's plenty of young women in here that have already gone through difficult marriage, and you would have something you could share that would be valuable. So it's not just the older that are going to speak. But what I want us to do is, old or young, I want us to just listen. I want us to pray that God would bring out of somebody a story, a testimony, that is going to make a difference in our life. You see what we're doing? We're going to go after that God has, watch this, that God has invested a lot in you two. That there's already a lot that's happened. And that God's invested something in you. And now he's asking you to bring, bring something that might help somebody else. Think about all of the wisdom about marriage that sits in this room. If I tried to teach it, it would take us months. And I wouldn't do it as well as you can. The bottom line is, what we're really going after is, the grass is greener. How's, finish that sentence. How's it go? The grass is greener on the other side of the fence, right? Now, here's what that saying means. 
It means we always think if I could just get out of where I am, it would be okay. It would be better. So I just need out of where I am. But you know what the actual truth saying is in the world? You know what the truth is? The grass is greener where you water it. Isn't that right? Where you take the time to put a little effort in. So this church, in a desire to actually be useful, not just didactic, meaning not just preaching, but to actually make things that are useful, we're going to try something. And if, if this is uncomfortable for you, I'm so sorry. But hang in there, would you? And just pray that God would meet us because it's my belief that something could happen right now that's going to be incredible. You're going to hear something that is unique and that God wanted to say to you through somebody. So pray for that. We're going to pray for that in a moment. And I, I do want to say that when we go to break, uh, when we break up like this, we're going to cut the feed. So sorry for the people that are watching at home. But the bottom line is we're cutting the feed because we just don't want on record, you on record, and something that might turn out to be difficult in another context. See what I mean? In this context, it was totally fine to say, but now all of a sudden it's being played back in another context and it's not okay to have said that. So we're not going to be recording any of this, okay? So we want you to feel safe. And moreover, what we want you to be is willing to help other people. We want you to just really think. Everybody's supposed to bring their gift. This is a day where everybody is bringing their gift, okay? So with that in mind, um, yeah, that's perfect. Eric, would you pray for the what we're about to do? And would you lift up another church? But honestly, I don't care about the other church today. Would you just ask the Lord? <laughs> would you just ask the Lord to really bless this? Yeah, yeah. Dear Lord, Father God, we come before you and we lift up marriages in this church, relationships in this church. Amen. And our relationship with you, Lord. And may our relationship with you and your relationship with us and your gift of your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us today. You can warm hearts and open ears and renew minds. And, uh, you are the finisher, the completer. And we ask that you take another step with us. Help us to open our hearts so that you can take that next step with us. And that you would use the relationships in this world uh, to help us under better understand the relationship with you use our relationship with you to help us better understand uh, relationships with each other. And also, Lord, I just ask the same prayer for Hauser Community Church down in amen. North Bend, Oregon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, guys, coffee upstairs, everything else, uh, you know, try and get there quick so that we can get going. But like I say, go out and go right up the steps, okay? Follow the donuts. Thank you.